You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. And started up the right side for Clark. Clark waits, space, shoots, scores! That's Brad Clark in a nutshell. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. This time, here's a giveaway by Liam Ross. Pinelli shot scores, and what a goal by Francesco Pinelli as the Rangers. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. When it comes to a starting lineup, everybody loves the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare that the pros love, LA Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at getjackblack.com with the code TEAMJB. The starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25 in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination of the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at getjackblack.com with the code TEAMJB, while supplies last. The LA Kings picked up four new players at the NHL Entry Draft, and Chris Peters is going to join me to talk about all four of them and how they fit into the organization, but first... Well, first, we're going to bring you the conversation that Jack Jablonski and I got to have with Brant Clark, the Kings' first-round pick in the 2021 NHL Entry Draft. Joining us now, Kings' first-round pick, Brant Clark, eighth overall. Thanks for joining us, Brant. Thanks for having me. And, uh, of course, Jack Jablonski. How are you doing today, Jack? I'm great. Great opportunity to, to get to know the future. That's right. So, Grant, you are a defenseman, so we're going to ask you the question that we ask every defenseman when we get the opportunity. Would you rather score the game-winning goal or with like 30 seconds left, you know, your team up by one, block the shot that would give the other team the tie? Oh, that's that's a tough one. I I, I like putting, uh, putting up numbers, but I also like keeping the puck in my net. Uh, I don't know. I feel like both are important, but, you know, I, I, I'm a guy who likes to, like to celebrate. I feel like it's a bigger celebration if you score the game-winning goal. So I'll go with that. That'd be pretty pretty cool. I, I love sc- scoring big goals. But, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm also trustworthy in those uh, crunch-down kind of moments too. But uh, if I had to pick, I would probably go big goal. I think that's the exact answer Drew Doughty gave, um, which sort of leads me into my next question. Um, we have a bunch of phrases, mantras that we repeat on this pro- podcast, Brant, and I've been trying to f- – figure out a way to introduce a new one, which is Bob Dylan was the first Bob Dylan. And uh, what I mean by that is that uh, maybe Michael Jordan would have been a better example, but when there are these, you know, sort of iconic figures that, that come into the public's consciousness, everybody wants to know who's the next Michael Jordan, who's the next, you know, Sidney Crosby, et cetera, et cetera. And the answer is there is never a next one of those. There's just the first whoever replaces them, right? Connor McDavid wasn't the next Sidney Crosby. He was the first Connor McDavid. So I heard a lot of uh, conversations uh, both last night and in previous conversations with you about the similarities between your game and Drew Doughty. So rather than ask you how you might be the next Drew Doughty, I want to ask what makes you the first Brant Clark? Yeah. So yeah, like you said, I've, I've got comparisons like that and he's, he's, you know, he's a future Hall of Famer. And I don't like, I don't like when guys kind of boost themselves up like that. I, I haven't accomplished barely anything yet. So he's, uh, I, I don't like those comparisons either, but uh, I feel like what I bring to the table is just my ability to, you know, I'm a very poised player. I make, I make smart decisions every single time. I always have my head up. I get shots too from the points, something that Drew does really well as well. So maybe that's where you find, kind of see the comparisons, but 
I don't know. I, I just feeling like a really steady guy who's always in the right spots, always shutting guys down, always keep, uh, never letting uh, second chance opportunities against their goalie, tying up sticks in front of the net and stuff like that. So yeah, I feel like I'm just a really well-rounded player and um, uh, I'm good with puck on my stick and I'm good at recognizing uh, where the other team's trying to attack from and kind of sh- shut that down. Grant, in, you know, in talking to you and, and seeing your interviews, both with the NHL and, and, some of the media you did after being drafted by the Kings, you obviously know the game very well. You have the the mind, but also on the ice, we can see the skill as well. Hockey's in your family. Graham, your older brother, was a third round pick out of New Jersey. He uh, he led the AHL um, uh, for New Jersey in in goals. You know what have you learned from him? You're obviously very close to him. You guys were going to play in Slovakia together last year. Um, and you know, he's obviously been a mentor in your life. What's something that's really stuck with you from him, whether it's something he's taught you on the ice or off the ice? Um, yeah, he's been great for me my entire life. You know, even when I, we going back to when we were super young, like when he would have scrimmages and stuff with his, his friends on the outdoor rink or something, uh, he would always bring me out, you know, and that, that pushed me. And I know I didn't want to slow the game down. I didn't want to be the kid that was two years younger, like kind of ruining the, the pace of play. So I, that pushed my intensity to kind of keep up with these guys. So Going back to then, like he's always he's he's been with me every step of the way. Going back to the OHL draft, he was a high pick there. I was a high pick there. He kind of showed me the ropes, and now going to the NHL draft, maybe I did go a bit higher than he he did, but uh, you know, it's still he still kind of endured that process, and uh, it's just um, it's just something that uh, he's been he's been there with me my entire life. He, he told me what to say. He told me to speak from the heart. He told me to you know be really positive all the time. And yeah, he's he's been a huge huge for me in my entire life. He, he like I said, he had to. He had to kind of learn the ropes by himself, but he, I get to follow his path. So it's like he's doing everything I want to do. You know, he's he's already uh, doing uh, – he's a big contributor on a pro team already. So he's uh, he's he's been doing great. He's doing great things in his life right now, and I am uh, I wouldn't be where I am without him. He's a forward. You're a defenseman, but you're obviously an offensive-minded uh, defenseman, someone who can step into the rush, make those plays in high-pressure situations on the offensive end. What in his offensive game have you been able to take – from him and put into your own game. Yeah, I feel like um, uh, I probably get more quality chances than the, the average defenseman would just because I, I notice those plays. I like to jump in a little bit. I, I like to be the fourth man. So, I'm, you know, he just teaches me, you know, you got to capitalize on that. You know, when you have a clear start at the net and when I'm in tight, you got to bear down, you got to bury. And that's, uh, that's something we work on. You know, I, I do a lot of the same drills that he does because, you know, I am in forward situations sometimes. So uh, that's just something he learns. Uh, he's got an amazing shot. That's probably his best attribute. And I'm, not saying I shoot like he does, but uh, you know, he, he really teaches me like that you got to capitalize on your opportunities because you know one goal can, uh, can be a big difference maker. Brand, I want to talk about off ice stuff for a second. Um, one of the things that struck me instantly about you watching all your interviews and even here talking to you today, um, you seem to have an incredible balance between confidence but also humility, which I think is a really tough uh, needle to thread even for adults. Um, I'm curious where. Uh, you know, obviously your brother played a role in it, but where that um, foundation comes from, like to, to have the presence of mind, to know that you're special, to know that you have these skills that put you in this position, but also, as you said earlier, you know, you haven't proved anything yet. Um, you know, do your folks drill that into you? Is it from a youth coach? Is it your brother? Like, where does that come from? I don't know. I just feel like that's, uh, that's just the type of person I am. My parents are, have raised me well, you know, uh, they, they tell me to be respectful to everybody, but uh, kind of go, going back to what I was saying, I like to speak from the heart. I like to be truthful. I like to get my points across. You know, you ask me questions. I want to, I want to give you the right answer. So that's, uh, that's just kind of the person I am. And, uh, 
yeah, it's just I, I'm proud of everything I've accomplished. I'm proud of uh, what I've done so far in my life, but that's it doesn't mean a whole lot. You know, I'm uh, still I want to make the big roster. I want to be a National Hockey League player, and that's uh, still got a long way to go. But uh, I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, I feel like I'm on the right trajectory, but I, I can't take my foot off the pedal. You, this past year, Brent, you obviously went through a lot, as a lot of people have with uh, the hockey world and, and COVID. You know, you're, you were set to play in the OHL. That season doesn't happen. So you go over to Slovakia with your brother. Um, he leaves almost immediately to go back to New Jersey. Um, you're out in Slovakia by yourself. You, you obviously play 26 games uh, and adapt really well against grown men. What was your experience like in Slovakia? It was challenging, you know, me and me and B, uh, we got, we uh, left on Christmas Day. So on Christmas Day, we went over there and they, they already been halfway through their season. You know, they were, they were like 20, 25 games in at that point. So it was kind of, it was kind of hard to, first couple of games we had to kind of get up to that pace of play. Cause I don't want to say we were doing nothing for the nine months, but like game situations are just very um, hard to replicate, especially uh, as pro professional hockey. So it was definitely difficult to get up to that speed. But once I did, I felt a lot more comfortable. You know, it was, uh, I was starting to make those plays. I did start to hold on to the puck a little bit longer, stuff like that. And then, uh, and then yeah, Graham left and that was, that was pretty tough. You know, I wasn't, uh, it was kind of, it was kind of sudden and they just offered him a spot and obviously it was a great opportunity. So he took it. I was proud that he took it. I was proud that he, he had a spot on that team, but uh, obviously being a 17 year old kid, you know, that's, it's kind of tough, you know. I I had to kind of live on my own, kind of be responsible. But uh, and then I did grow as a person. I became a lot more independent. You know, I was doing my own grocery shopping, doing my own cooking, all this stuff. You know, having to go to bed at the right time. You know, having to wake up early. You know, all all this stuff. You know, my son, when my brother was there, he would like shake me in the morning. But no, I can't. You can't. That's not the case anymore. Like I got to be responsible. But uh, um, that's uh, that's just. I think I handled it really well, and uh, I'm proud of what I did over there. I'm proud of what, what I accomplished on the ice and I'm proud of what I accomplished off the ice. Cause I, like I said, I did mature a lot and I'm, uh, I'm really proud of, uh, what I, what I could do. Yeah. You talked about a little bit how you grew up, uh, you know, obviously you're independent, you're living by yourself, uh, halfway across the world from your family and your friends. Uh, how do you think all that experience is going to help you, you know, say when you go back to the OHL potentially next year? Uh, it's gonna help me a lot. You know, I'm very. Uh, it's it's nice that I'm you know more mature now. You know, and, uh, my billet's probably gonna, probably gonna like that more. You know, uh, <laughs> I just, I just feel that that's just the kind of person I am. I I want to learn. I want to get better. And uh, I I I feel like yeah, I wasn't. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm an exciting person. I'm always like amped up, ready to go. But you know, I you do have to like chill it out sometimes and be responsible and actually like you know double check stuff like. That. And yeah, I think I have matured as a person. Like you said and. Uh, like that's just part of growing up and the Slovakian experience definitely uh, sped that up. I guess you could say. Want to throw a quote at you. One of your own quotes, uh, Brant. We talked to Tony Ferrari about uh, CHL prospects. Your name came up and uh, he said he spoke to you earlier in the season when you were playing in Slovakia and he asked you uh, how you were adjusting your game to that league. And your response, I may not have the exact wording, but your response was, I'm not, I'm making them adjust to my game um can you explain you expand on that quote a little bit or uh or, or talk about how you might have uh, made them adjust to your game yeah that's not the i don't think that's exactly what i said i think i it was an adjustment period for me but you know there's just uh being a young kid over there you know there's not a lot especially in that slovakian league it's it's kind of a low scoring league you know it's not very high intensity it's kind of just kind of sit back get the cycle going and uh kind of score that way. But, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who likes to score up the rush. I'm like a guy who likes to transition the bucks. I'm a guy who wants like uh, our forwards to cheat if I have a lot of time and space for them, maybe get an odd man rush two on one or something like that. And uh, 
they just weren't used to that. You know, the first couple of games they were, I had like four, I had a bunch of time and I had like four forwards. I have four guys on my team supporting me. And I'm like, guys, we don't have to do that. Like I, we, I'd be in video like, guys, you can, you can start going. Like let's, I, you can trust me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fumble it. Like we can get going. We can uh, catch them off guard a little bit. I can use my stretch passes and find you behind their defense. And, uh, once they kind of that kind of glued in with them that they trusted me back there, uh, we started producing more goals. I, I started putting up more points and uh, we started winning more games. So I think uh, I think it worked out for everybody. You uh, got a chance to play with the Kings' second round pick, uh, Francisco Pinelli, uh, in the uh, U18s, if I'm not mistaken. Um, any other forwards that are already Kings' property that you're looking forward to playing with? Um, well, I played against Quentin Byfield eight times when I was in Barry. We went 0 for 8. So that's uh. <laughs> Definitely something that he's not he's a gonna, fun experience. <laughs> not, not really. He's, that's definitely something that he's going to let me know about. Uh, um, and there was many highlights that he had that was against us too. So it's going to be nice to you know when he he does something nice out there, I actually get to cheer for it. So that's good. That's going to be a nice change. But uh, yeah, he's a special player, and I'm excited to be lined up with him. You talked, uh, you talked obviously to the Kings in your interviews before being drafted by them. You know, what was your feeling going into the draft, uh, whether it was expectations on where you were going to go. Um, but then after being drafted by the Kings as well, you know, what were your initial thoughts of the organization? Yeah. Leading up the draft, you know, I, I had good, really good conversation with the Kings who were, uh, I think they tied for most times talking or whatever. So yeah, I had really good conversation we did video and stuff like that. They wanted to see how I break down plays and stuff. And they were impressed with how, uh, how I, how I did it, I guess you could say. So, uh, it went really well. And, uh, you know, when the draft was going on, you saw a lot of, I uh, saw a lot of people that I knew kept going, kept going. I knew I had some, uh, places in mind, you know, obviously I was thinking New Jersey, like that'd be cool. Me and my brother together, but that just didn't out that way. And then, uh, when LA finally did hit, you know, I was ecstatic. You know, this is a, this is a great organization, great young uh, young core coming up, and I'm honored to be a part of that. And it's going to be a it's going to be really special, and we're going to have a really strong team in in the coming years. You said last night that you chose 55 because you liked how it looked on you, or it looked good on you. Um, I'm curious, what about 55 looks good on you? Like, what what is a good number? I don't know. I just feel like it has like, like swagger. Maybe Quentin would say the same thing. And I might have to change it now, which kind of sucks. It's going to be like, but I don't know. It just kind of looks, it just feels like, feels good on me, I guess you could say. I mean, I guess 22 is upside down 55. There's single fives. There's there's all sorts of options. I'm sure uh, John Hoven, our, uh, our, our colleague in the media, will have more questions about you on this. But uh, when it comes to coming to LA, I know you said you haven't been out here, but um, you know, have you seen the Pacific Ocean? Have you eaten an In-N-Out burger ever? Like, what are the things about LA that you're looking forward to? Um, no, I've never, yeah, never been to California, never been to In-N-Out. I love burgers, so you better believe I'll be there. Um, <laughs> but no, I have the lifestyle. You know, anyone who goes there says they love it. They they go there for trips. I've never been. You know, my family doesn't do too much vacationing. We're always we're always hockey, hockey, hockey in the summer. You know, I have an older brother, and my younger sister also plays top level hockey. So we're just year round, uh, not too many vacation trips. But uh, you know, I'm really excited. You know, like, like I said, everyone speaks so highly of it. Just the city itself. You know, Hollywood's pretty uh, quite the spot. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to get down there and finally kind of have that experience. Brent, you, um, you know, in, in going off of that, you know, you talk about how you haven't been out here. Uh, have you been in contact with any of the the prospects in the Kings organization since you've been drafted? Um, Alex Turcott reached out to me on, uh, on Instagram. That was pretty cool. I messaged him back. He seems like a good guy. Um, Anze Kobitar texted me this morning, which is pretty, pretty, pretty cool. That was, that was something that I didn't expect, but that was definitely awesome. And uh, that's kind of it, you know. Uh, 
Oh, also, uh, what's his Chromiak, Martin Chromiak. I played against him in Slovakia this year, so we kind of know each other. We also played against him when he was in Kingston, so he seems like a good guy. I talked, I've talked to him a couple times before, and yeah, he reached out to me. So yeah, a couple guys, and uh, I bet maybe a couple more will come in, but we'll see. If there's an open weekend on your schedule, whatever month, whatever time of year, there's nothing to do. There's nobody home. It's just you and 48 hours of free time. How are you spending most of that time? Just me? Yeah. Uh, I love to sleep, so I'll be asleep <laughs> a lot of it. And then, right. I, I don't know. My life is just kind of – I like to watch sports. I watch a lot of sports center. You know, every, every morning I'll watch sports center for like two hours if, if I have the chance, if I'm just not doing anything like you said. Um, I just love watching highlights, whether it be hockey, whether it be basketball. So I'll do, do a lot of TV watching. Uh, I love working out. You know, it's the, I love doing it. It's just something I love to do. I love to get better. It's like, I know that's the classic hockey answer, but no, I actually do. I love like going to the gym is the best part of my week. Um, it starts with my trainer, Tony Greco. He's, he's great, but you know, just being in my gym, just kind of getting that sweat on it is, uh, it is great. So I like doing that. I also shoot a lot of pucks in my base and we have a great shooting range. Then me and my brother do like competitions against each other. Sometimes it gets heated actually. So <laughs> so I definitely mix a little bit of that. I'm not the biggest video gamer. I don't really, I don't really live for it. I don't know. I just don't want to sit there and kind of. Not, I'm, I'm like you see, you can have an energetic guy. I don't really want to sit down and kind of focus. I like, I just like moving around, doing a bunch of different things. So uh, yeah, that's just kind of that, that's what I would do. It's just fill my time. Talk to a lot of my friends on my phone. I gotta put down the phone sometimes, but I, I am on it uh, quite a bit. But so that's probably what I'd be doing. Uh, that, yeah, that's probably what my 48 hours would look like. You mentioned that, you know, you're a big sports fan. Growing up, you know, we always talk about, you know, whether people should be multi-sport athletes growing up or not, or or, or just in general, you know, you know, obviously being the athletic kid that you are and the workout junkie that you are as well. Did you play other sports growing up? And what sports do you really like to follow? Um, I didn't play too many sports growing up. I play golf right now, you know, on, on yeah. some of my days I'll play like two or three times a week at a membership and I like playing basketball too, but no, in sport, I just love the sports atmosphere. You know, I love what, like I said, I love watching sports, uh, whether it be basketball games, I'll watch golf with my, my with my dad. I'll watch, uh, uh I was going to say baseball, but it's kind of, kind of boring sometimes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, being at the ballpark, Seems a little slow for you. Yeah, exactly. Being at the ballpark is a good time though, but uh, on TV, it's kind of a little yeah. ahead of um and uh yeah that's kind of what i like doing um uh, i'm just a bit huge sports fanatic when you golf do you swing righty or lefty i'm a righty okay how about throwing a frisbee it's a random question i know a frisbee of all yeah. things i i throw frisbees lefty so i'm always just sort of fascinated <laughs> to find out um did you have one athlete like did you have anybody's poster on your wall Uh yeah yeah I, I had a lot of Eric Carlson merchandise you know when he was uh, the Sens superstar I, I really looked up to him uh, we had season tickets so I'd watch him every night I had a couple of jerseys in my dressing in my room with his uh, with his name on the back so yeah I definitely uh, idolized him as a young kid ever go skating on the Rideau Canal a couple times yep yeah, a couple yeah. times nice. nice my family's all or half my family's from Ottawa so I'll, oh really okay. I'll spare everybody a bunch of questions about Ottawa but um, yeah. <laughs> You can talk about that after the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but let's talk about your trainer. Uh, you mentioned his name uh, a couple times in your media availabilities. How did you meet him? How did you get hooked up with him? And uh, and how has he uh, shaped your your young career? Yeah, Tony. Uh, Tony Greco. He's been great. You know, uh, I met him because my my agent Randy Robitaille used to play in the NHL, and he trained former King, by the way. I should point out. Randy is Randy Robitaille. Sorry, was former it? King. Yeah, yeah. Briefly. <laughs> oh. 
I actually didn't know that. He yep. didn't mention that last. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, well, I didn't know that. Now you got me thinking. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Randy introduced me to him like three summers ago. Me and my brother started working with him, and uh, yeah, it's just great stuff. You know, you're always moving, and he has a great. He just Tony just creates a great atmosphere where you want to be there. Like some guys, it's like a drag to go to the gym. They're like, oh, shit, I gotta go. I gotta go in the morning, but no, I, I love uh, showing up at the gym. I love seeing Tony. Like I said, it, it really is the best part of my week. Uh, and he, he's great, and we have a great group. You know, Jack Quinn, eighth overall pick to Buffalo last year, works is in my group. Uh, Pavel Gogolev, he played on the Marlies this year. Claude Giroux, uh, Ben Hutton, also former King. That's right. Yes, yeah, so we have a really good group of guys who all push each other. And you know, Claude it also starts with Claude. You know, this guy's a superstar in the NHL, multiple time. Uh, uh, multiple time all-star and he, you know like he'll scream at you if your foot's not on the line or something something like that like this guy this guy uh, is always working he's a uh, very remarkable to see excellent well brant uh, jack unless you've got any more questions i think we're gonna let you go oh all good on my end brant it's uh it's been a pleasure and we're looking forward to get to know you and uh getting to see you on the ice as well awesome thanks guys thank you very much all right, joining me now for a recap of the Kings' surprisingly small haul at the uh, 2021 NHL Entry Draft from Hockey Sense, Chris Peters. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I'm doing great. Thanks. It's it's great to be with you. And yes, it was very bizarre to see only four draft selections. Yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, but yeah, but hey, I, that that's a good sign for where the prospect pool is right now. The phrase that got bandied around yesterday was quantity over qu- or uh, excuse me, quality over quantity. I almost had that backwards. Um, you referenced the already impressive prospect pool that the LA Kings have. So let's just take a look, you know, big picture. They trade a bunch of draft picks to get those four players that they wanted. Um, I, I don't put a lot of stock in grading dra- drafts as a whole, but let's just go with it. What do you give the Kings letter grade wise on, uh, on their four picks? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think, if not just because of the, the the smallness of the class, when I go and do my grades, it's probably going to be in the, the 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 B plus range, and it's more just because you know you only get four prospects. However, all four of the players that the Kings selected were on my draft list, so they were all guys that I believed would be good players. And and Clark and Pinelli were both first round grades for me. So Pinelli, uh, you know, slips into the second round. They get him in a really good range. And then, you know, I had Hellenius as a, as a top 60 guy um, and certainly Kursanov, who I had as a just just right outside of the first round. I, I really like him as well. So um, I, I think that what the Kings did, they did get quality over quantity. And that's why I think, you know, I, I you know, maybe I'll change my mind. I haven't written the piece yet, but, you know, it's, it's somewhere that A minus B plus range because you get a top end defenseman. Um, you know, two quality centers that can play in various put, put spots in your lineup and another shutdown defenseman that's already playing significant minutes in the KHL. Is it Kirsanov or Kirsanov? Or do we know? Not sure. Exa- okay. Exactly. That's it doesn't matter. <laughs> it just, it just <laughs> caught me, uh, caught my ear. Let's start with him though. Let's go backwards and work our way up to Brent Clark, but let's start, start with Kirsanov or Kirsanov um, because there was a comment made by, I think it was Mark Gennetti yesterday. Um Talking about to the to the LA media, talking about Kirill Kirsanov, the Kings' left shooting defenseman taken in the third round, and uh, somebody asked him about, if I'm not mistaken, you know when he might come over, or what his path to the NHL might be, um, given that he's signed to play in the KHL. And uh, Yanetti mentioned that he signed to a one year or possibly two year deal. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm fuzzy on the details on this, 
But he intimated that he is ahead of a ton of other players in the Kings pool as far as uh, develop, you know, how far he is along his development curve and implied that he might be in the NHL um, in two seasons, not, not the following season after the coming one, but, but in the third year, you know, from being drafted. And that raised my eyebrows. And I had a brief conversation with John Hoven, AKA the, the mayor. And it also raised his eyebrows because I think both of us sort of assumed that anybody taken in this draft would be three or four years away. I mean, that's, I think that's a sort of rule of thumb. You don't get too excited about guys unless they're sort of generational talents. You assume that it's going to take a while. Um, but you spoke to Jack Jablonski about Kirsanov and talked about um, how as a 17 year old, he's playing in a men's league, a very good league, as Mark Unetti pointed out. He said, if you can play in the KHL, you can play in the AHL. Um, so, I mean, how, how far away do we think he potentially could be from skating an NHL shift? Yeah, I completely agree with Mark on on his assessment. And he is under contract until 2022-23. So it okay. is two full seasons where he'll be playing for for Ska in, in Russia. Um, but you know, what I what I think is really interesting about him is he's a he's a, a really good skater. He's physically strong. He's almost 200 pounds already at six foot one. He has a, you know, he doesn't have great necessarily offensive numbers but he has some tools he can move the puck he can shoot pretty well i like his skating quite a bit um you know and so yes i would say that he is ahead you know he could very well be ahead of a development curve of even a brant clark who is has high upside but still has a lot of work to do and, and has to get physically stronger and mature in order to maximize his potential so you get you know you get kirsenov here and he's he's pretty impressive um, physically, but I think if you watched him at the World Juniors this year, you would have seen a player that that really was in control most of the time, in, in control of the games that he was playing. Um, you know, he was he was relied upon very heavily by Igor Larionov, the head coach of Team Russia in that tournament, and and was a veteran guy that really just gave them those most important minutes. So when you have a guy that's that that advanced and of course you know i mean you look at him he was he's one of the oldest players in this draft too and that's something that you have to to point out because he's a, a late 2002 was born only four days after the draft cutoff um and so you know it's not really he, he was barely in this draft to begin with but you know you look at him last season compared to this season and he's already taken a step and he spent almost all of last season or all of all of last season in the u20 league uh, the 2019-20 season, that is. And then he, you know, gets 29 games in the KHL and does get into the playoffs. And so it's it's a dramatic move for him. And he's, yeah, he's he's not far along. I, I assume once that, that contract is up, he will be, if not, you know, in the hunt for a roster spot for the, with the Kings, somewhere close. Um, as far as value in the third round, um, you know, they moved up to get him. They moved up to get everybody except for Clark. Um, but where would you have taken Kirill Kirsanov or, or where did you have him uh, tier wise uh, in your rankings? Yeah, I had him as an early second round draft pick. Okay. Um, I had him, you know, in the in the early 30s. And uh, I think I had I'm, I'm, I'm blanking right now off the top of my head, but pretty sure I had him in around 36 on my final on my final board there. And the reason for that is for some of the reasons that were mentioned. He was one of the more pro-ready players. He has upside. 
He's still, you know, he, he plays a very mature game. And then the skating is at such a level that I really feel like he took us, took a pretty dramatic step, um, uh, you know, and, and, and will continue to. So, you know, he's, he's a guy that I've been high on because of the things that I mentioned with him, uh, with, with the skating and with the, the maturity and everything. But that's, you know, essentially why he ended up as a top, you know, top two round pick. And even though he didn't go there, I think probably because his offensive, you know, upside is not quite at the level of some other defenseman that went ahead of him. Uh, I still feel real strongly that he's going to be an NHL player. The Kings moved uh, Cole Holtz over the weekend, uh, another left shot defenseman prospect. And so in their uh, system, they now have Mikey Anderson, Tobias Bjornfoot, Ole Mata, Christian Willannon. Marcus Phillips, Kim and Braden Doyle, and Ben Meehan. But Mikey Anderson and Tobias Bjornfoot are already playing NHL minutes. How does uh, Kirill Kirsanov uh, complement those two players who have already sort of graduated from prospect status? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the big thing that a guy like Kirsanov gives is, is just that stout defensive play, which the Kings have a lot of. But, you know, I think that that's it, it still matters, right? You still have to be able to defend at this level. Mm-hmm. And, and they've uh, certainly proven that they can do that. Um, you know, and then you look at a Brant Clark and then you have that dynamic element that we talked about that you need to have, you know, to bring more balance to the blue line. But this entire defensive prospect system, they have a variety of different players, guys that can do different things and make different kinds of plays. And I, I really, I'm, I'm very intrigued by everything uh, that the Kings have done with their prospect building because they it's it's almost like you know yes we we talked earlier about quality over quantity but the kings at this point also have quantity (laughs) and and that's and that's a really important thing you know and and because not all of those players that we just talked about that that we that you just listed off Mm -hmm. not all of them are going to be nhl regulars not all of them are going to end up playing for the kings but somebody but several of them probably do and play a pretty significant role in the future of the franchise Let's go ahead and take a look at uh, a forward drafted by the Kings in the second round. Again, they traded, uh, they moved up to get him, taking 59th overall, Samuel Hellenius um, out of Finland. Six foot six, 201 pounds. His dad played in the NHL. Um, where did you have him and what do you like about him? Yeah, well, Hellenius is another guy that I thought had a really good opportunity to be a top two round pick. Um, yeah, I had him uh, a little bit further down. Uh, closer to the third round, and part of that was only because you know, I think his skating needs to improve. But how many six foot six centers are there lying around? Not many. <laughs> I'm at, at the World Junior Summer Showcase right now, and he's here playing for Finland. I watched him earlier today, and all he had to do to 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 kill two plays was just reach his stick out, and it was it was it was unnatural for the defenseman to actually expect that that was going to happen, that there was going to be a stick there because there wasn't previously. But with a guy with the reach like that. It just happens. But, you know, the thing that about Hellenius is that the skating does need to get better because he, he can have a bit of a heavier stride, but he gets, he makes plays quickly. He's got really good hockey sense. He's got good hands for a big guy and he's really good at, at the net front and, and, and on faceoffs as well. So he's got the physical strength to really dominate at the draw and dominate at the net front. And he made a lot of plays, uh, today seeing him. And he also made a lot of plays at the world junior championship. And, and that's, you know, to have been playing in that tournament and playing a significant role where he was scoring goals and making plays for a, a you know, a finished team that desperately needed uh, the offense um, that, that says a lot to me. So I think there's some good offensive upside there. He played, you know, professionally all year. 
So, you know, the Kings certainly looking at guys that, that played a, a more substantial role in veteran situations. And that was, uh, that was really impressive. So, I mean, for, for me, Samuel Hellenius is, uh, is a guy that, that is going to only get better as he gets stronger. I think that his skating can improve with some lower body strength. And then on top of that, his, uh, his overall just hockey sense and the, and the way that he makes plays, he can do things that other players can't simply because of how big he is. And the skating, assuming that that improves some, you know, you're going to love having that guy down the middle. We talked to Krister Kasserainen, uh, who works out there in Helsinki, uh, about Samuel Hellenius, and he mentioned him as a potential third-line center, possibly even fourth-line, but lauded him for his uh, you know, offensive abilities, as you pointed out. Uh, my question is, I've seen some people push back on the idea that it's a good value to take a depth player like that in the second round or sometimes even in the first round. In this case, we're talking about the 59th pick overall, which is fairly you know, far down in the second round, almost third round. Um, my take is if you can get a regular contributing NHL player, I don't really care where you take them in the draft, you know, as long as we're not talking number one or two overall. Um, assuming Samuel Hellenius turns into a contributing third line player for the LA Kings, was that a solid value pick at 59? Absolutely. I, I mean, if, if you can get an everyday NHL or in the second round, I mean, really, the, the va- it becomes much more difficult to get you know, an everyday guy, the, the further down you go. I mean, it mm-hmm. seems, you know, it's, it's certainly there are outliers, but I think, and, and largely the second round has been a place where we've seen many become first round, you know, or full-time NHLers is what I mean to say. So it, it happens. And I think that you're exactly right. You want to get NHL players. Would you love to have stars? Yes. But what you, what you, what happens when you start chasing stars and every single pick you start realizing that your your prospect pool thinned out really quickly because there aren't that many out there. You know, it really, in terms of, there, there's a small percentage of players that can be that good and can be that that important to your team. And so I think that that's really one of the things that, that you know, if you can get NHL players, obviously, you, know, you look down the board, you say, who, was, who else was available? And it might look bad later when, maybe some guy that's picking picked a few picks later or a round later or in the seventh round suddenly becomes a star. But as long as you're getting value out of your draft picks, I mean, getting any of those guys to the NHL is a challenge and it's on your development team and it's on everybody else. But if you can, if you can make that happen with those players, um, then you, you're, you're, you're doing great. I mean, and I think that the Kings have proven over the last several years of this, you know, somewhat rebuilding process that they have compiled prospects with such proficiency that they have guys that, that they're, they almost have too many that will be <laughs> NHL players. Um, and so that's kind of an interesting situation to be in. That's what you want to be in. And it gives you, it, it allows you not only that to, to have guys that will be everyday players, but it allows you to have players that could be assets for trades or anything else that you possibly need. Because unfortunately, you don't have enough roster spots for every kid you ever draft. So, um, you know, even the ones that, that that prove that they can make it doesn't always work out where where they're going to be part of the organization. I want to uh, focus in on that phrase you just used, chasing stars, because everything I've heard about Francesco Pinelli taken 42nd overall in the second round. Again, the Kings moved up to get him. Um, he's uh, – I don't want to hesitate to use this phrase because maybe it sounds like I'm selling him short and I don't mean to. 
But everything I've heard about him makes it sound like maybe they were chasing a star a bit, taking him where they took him. Um, seems like he's got a great shot, good offensive mindset, but uh, the knock on him seems to be that he plays a bit of a perimeter game. Yeah, you know, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. It, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, you hear this term soft skill a lot, and it's mm -hmm. not necessarily, you know, the it's not necessarily a compliment all the time. But I, I do think that, you know, I've watched a lot of Pinelli over the last couple of years, and, and I think that he's got the ability to take his game to the next level. The skill level is the hard part to come by. Um, you certainly need a guy that has to improve his mentality, have a pro pro kind of mentality. Um, which is, which does mean it's getting harder to play against being more physical, trying to make plays that, um, you know, at the net front and, and getting to the middle of the ice. Uh, so maybe that's why he fell out of the second round, but I still think there's value there because when you have a player with that skill, it's, it's very difficult to find. Um, and so, you know, he put up some big numbers for Canada at the, at the world under 18 championship and, and played, you know, had to go find his own way and found a team in Slovenia that would take him and that would, you know, was not, not just take him, but they were more than happy to have him. And he got a little bit of a star experience over there. They treated him like a star. It was a big deal that he was playing for the team there. And so, you know, I think that he has a really high ceiling and, and, and particularly for a player that was drafted in the range that he was. Um, I had him as a first round grade in, in the going in the draft. I know that that's not, I think he was much more popular among, you know, the public leaning scouts than he was necessarily among the real NHL scouts. But I think that the, the skill level that he does have and the ability to score and good vision and good hockey sense with the, with the puck on a stick, you know, that's, that's really difficult to come by. So you, you take it when you can, when you can. And I think the Kings have to be thrilled that he was available when they drafted him. Not that this means anything at all, but uh, messing around this morning on Xbox and my Xbox had him ranked 16th. In, in there you go. But they, so of course, I, didn't have any uh, NCAA players to uh, to fill yeah. out. <laughs> but uh, we talked about his shortcomings. But let's talk about his strengths. Uh, listed as a center, but mentioned uh, by the Kings as a winger. Um, how great is that shot and how great is that uh, offensive ability or um, not ability, but uh, vision, let's say. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a huge part of his game. I mean, it's just having the having the puck on his stick and and making plays. You know, I think the shot is is good. He's got a good crisp release and, and it's accurate and and kind of get it off from anywhere. Um, you know, I like guys that, that that are able to shoot hard in stride. He can do that. That's really difficult to do. Well, it. I mean, most NHL players can do it now, but I mean, there was a period of time where that was difficult to do. Um, and so I think that uh, you know he's going to have an opportunity to just kind of continue to hone that once he gets back to Kitchener and is able to play in his own environment. I think he's going to be a go-to offensive performer for that team. Um, you know, and I, I think the vision really is the the key attribute to him is that he, he sees the seams. He understands how to get there. You know, his skating needs to get better so that he can exploit those seams a little bit better. And, but you know, if he's got to make a pass, or he's got to get a shot through. He seems to be able to do that with, with a high level of, uh, of accuracy and uh, proficiency. So, you know, I think that his his ability going forward, you know, he's got to focus on getting stronger. He's got to focus on being a little harder to play against, and he's got to improve that skating. So there's a lot of, you know, he's, he's certainly not a perfect player, but the things that he does have is the offensive mindset and the and the the ability to finish plays. One of the things I spent a lot of time looking at over the last two or three days is the age distribution of the prospects, because as you mentioned, the Kings at this point almost have too many prospects. Um, 
we're at the point now where, like I said earlier, they're moving Cole Holtz and Boko and Mama out of uh, Ontario. They've only got three skaters um, signed to AHL deals. So all of a sudden, and they have, they actually do have too many guys for the NHL roster. So somebody's getting put on waivers or getting traded away before, before the season begins. Um, so I'm noticing that, uh, for example, Clark and Pinelli still have OHL uh, eligibility. And not only that, but they, because they didn't play in the AHL last season, they won't qualify for that um, waiver that it looks like might get placed where anybody who did play 20 games in the AHL this previous season might be allowed to go back to the AHL this season, even if they're not um, age appropriate, as it were. How many years away is a long way of asking this. How many years away do you think uh, Francisco Pinelli might be from forcing the Kings into making a decision about his future? Yeah, well, I, I think he's, you know, I, I would say he's at least two to three years away from you know, really contending for an NHL roster spot, maybe even longer, um, you know, because some of the things that he has to work on are not easily acquired, like the, like the improvement in skating and trying to get to uh, play with a bit quicker pace and just making plays a little bit more, um, you know, just more, more mature plays. And that means getting inside and, and getting more pressure and, you know, going to the hard areas of the ice. And that's something that he's going to have to just kind of you know, work on over time. Uh, but, you know, I, I think for him, it's, it's a good, the way that the Kings are set up with Ontario being both, you know, being right there, being able to kind of work in house with everybody. Um, it's such a good setup. So once he is age eligible to go to uh, the, the AHL, um, which, you know, is essentially two years away, uh, he will, you know, probably benefit from that more than other players will. Uh, you know, just because he's got those skills. And I, I think as we saw this season with the young guys like Quentin Byfield and everybody else that, that got a chance to play there um, this season, that, you know, those young players, they adapt pretty quickly, especially when they have the brain for it. If they have the hockey sense to do it, if they have the habits, if they have the ability to, to you know, the, the physical abilities, they can handle the grind of the AHL. It's not an easy league to play in. And, uh, you know, you, you want to use that to your ability. So I think that the way that the Kings are set up, it's really to Francesco Pinelli's benefit that they are set up the way they are. Cause I think that the development that the Kings have been responsible for after drafting these guys may be just as important, if not more than the actual draft. Let's talk about Brand Clark uh, Kings pick at uh, number eight overall. And uh, we went live immediately following the pick on Twitter spaces. And I, I honestly, I feel really dumb about <laughs> how I handled that. I, uh, I made a huge error and then I doubled down on it three seconds later. Um, talking to Jack Jablonski, I said something along the lines of like, okay, they take Brant Clark and, you know, yes, he's got offensive skill, but I wouldn't exactly call him an offensive defenseman. And Jack corrected me and said, well, actually, that's precisely what he is. And I said, okay, yes, he's got offensive skill, but he's not exactly like an Eric Carlson type. And then we had a chance to talk to Brent Clark and asked him who he um, <laughs> one of the favorite <laughs> athletes was growing up. If he had a poster on his wall, and he said, "Yeah, Eric Carlson. I like to model my game after him." And I said, "Okay, I got that incredibly wrong." Um, is that too high praise to heap on Brent Clark? I've heard him now compared to uh, Drew Doughty a couple times, and uh, and even Eric Carlson. So, I mean, what kind of player do do we have here? Yeah, well, you know, comparisons can be tricky and mm -hmm. they and I try not to I try to stay away from them and and especially when it's as lofty as that. Now, I will say, you know, prime Eric Carlson was a freak of nature and yes. not not something that's easily easily rep, replicable. Um the other thing that, you know, the difference between the two of them is, you know, Eric Carlson, you know, 
did, especially in his prime, could really skate. And and Brandt will readily admit, you know, that he's got to get stronger in his lower half to get to the next level um, in his skating. His footwork is 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 mostly good. He's got decent agility. He's got good change of direction, um, and, and that is part of it. But what really allows him to be such a, a talented offensive player is that his mind operates well ahead of the game. And I think that's that's a big reason that, you know, if there are any perceived deficiencies about his game, it's that that mind that really makes up for it. He sees plays before they happen. He's got an incredible vision. Um, he, you know, you don't have to skate fast to play fast. I've said that many times when I've talked about him because I think he moves the puck quickly. He makes, he's really decisive. He's got good hand skills. He's got, he knows how to get shots through. So all of those things stacked on top of each other really help build a player that is going to produce at the next level. So I really think that that's going to be the, the, the next thing that, you know, it, 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 as the skating improves. And I think the upside is dramatic because I do think the skating will, will improve, um, over time. Um, you know, but that, as that happens, he, he already has all the other, other things that, you know, if that, if he can unlock that one last thing, you know, maybe that 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 comparison becomes a lot more favorable. Maybe that comparison comes becomes a lot closer. Um, you know, I think that there's there's more of a deliberate, uh, you know, delivery in his stride in, in, in north south, and I think his defensive footwork really needs to improve um, in order for him to defend at an NHL level. Um, but once that gets there, and it, it, you know, I think it will. That's that's a high value. I mean, he essentially went right where I had him on my list, and and I think I think that he's a top ten guy all day because of the way that he plays and 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 that offensive mind. And there's really no player like him in the Kings system right now. And I think that that's really what the benefit of that pick is, is that you know he is the kind of player that they've probably been looking for, and he can really set this you know a, a good defensive core into a, a great one if he hits the ceiling. It's obviously really difficult to, to be able to project the physical futures of these kids, right? Some of them are 17, some of them are 18. Right. You have no idea. I think it's even tougher, especially in an era where you're not able to travel to the games and interview them all, et cetera. Um, and because they get media training, maybe the walls are, <laughs> are, are better constructed when it comes to talking to the media. But yes, being able to judge the psychological makeup of some of these players is incredibly important and just now in having two opportunities to speak to brant clark or to listen to brant clark speak to the media um in person once to me and jack and once to the assembled kings media and i suppose to the nhl one so that's three opportunities the thing that stands out to me is that he doesn't appear to take criticism personally and i mean that in the best possible way one of the hardest lessons for me to learn was um, just in life, never mind professionally. But one of the toughest things for me to learn was that when people point out your shortcomings or your flaws, it's not to it, it sometimes is to be incredibly cruel. <laughs> um, but frequently, <laughs> but frequently it isn't, right? Frequently it's just in an, in an earnest effort to improve what it is you do. And Clark strikes me as someone who is perfectly aware of his strengths and his weaknesses doesn't seem to take it personally when his weaknesses are pointed out, but at the same time, doesn't dwell on them. Doesn't seem to, to allow them to cloud his own appreciation for his strengths and his abilities. And it just seems to me like that is a tremendous starting point for a, for a young athlete starting their career. 
I, I agree completely. I think one of the most important skills that a young hockey prospect or any young person really can have is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And because that allows you to improve in ways that others that don't understand themselves that well can't because you know the things that you need to work on. You know the, the things that, that you need to get better at and you want to get better at those things in order to achieve what you're ultimately going after. And I think that takes a certain level of maturity. It takes a certain level of, you know, thick skin at times um, because, you know, the way that we might ask a player about their deficiencies is certainly not the way they've been asked about their deficiencies <laughs> in, a, in a scout meeting. I'll tell no. you that much. But, you know, but I do think that self-awareness is so important because, you know, it also doesn't allow you to disagree when, when there's, when it's very clearly, um, you know, your opinion might be different than somebody, but if you know better than, you know, better than anybody else, what you need to do, then you're able to handle that criticism. If, you know, I, Grant Clark has been hearing about his skating probably for the last three years, you know, probably since he was at the, the Don Mills Flyers, you know, where, where they were one of the best youth hockey teams in the world. Um, and maybe one of the best youth hockey teams of all time. They have Shane Wright and Brennan Offman and all these other players, guys that went in the first and second, third round. Um, so, you know, they have a lot of players there, but I think the, the most interesting thing, um, that you can, you know, that you can do is, is handle that and, and just work on it because all that's all you can do. And so I've, I've been so impressed with players and that I'll sometimes that, that it doesn't necessarily change a, a player's draft stock, but I might, I, it's, it'll, it'll make it into my notes if a player has that, that great self-awareness and the understanding of what they need to do better that they don't really need to be told that because those are the guys that are, that are self-starters and that, that will continue to put the work in until they get it right. And that's such a huge value, a hugely valuable thing. And those are the types of players that maximize their development because really we talk about how important development is. And obviously I just said, you know, I think that they really would need to, um, you know, the, the Kings have, have done such a phenomenal job in development, but it's also because of the, the, the kind of people that they're selecting. Because the development process really starts in those early interviews where you're, you're trying to find out, will this player get better? And, and if you pick the right kinds of players, I mean, I think guys like Mikey Anderson are a great example, just like a guy that knows what he is and doesn't try to be something else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think that that's, that's a real helpful thing. And so you see that throughout the shark, there's throughout the, throughout the prospect pool. And, and that's really important for the Kings to continue to work on with those guys because as they do that, um, and as, the, as these players understand, they, they just find ways to improve. I'm not sure if it's by luck or by design, but to your point, I do feel like the Kings have, have acquired more and more players like that. I was particularly impressed last season with Quentin Byfield, um, who had that same sort of self-awareness. Akil Thomas is obviously um, incredibly, you know. For sure. And uh, even, you know, Jared Anderson Dolan, but even, even the older players, there was a, a – uh, a, a season ticket holder meeting, a, a state of the franchise event where Dustin Brown got up on stage. I think it was three years ago. I think it was 2018. And he talked about the dip in his career that uh, was well-documented. He had two or three seasons um, where his production fell. And there were well-documented uh, rifts between him and the coaching staff. And he talked about the importance of differentiating um, procedure with results. And that he was focusing too much on results rather than rather than procedure. Procedure is not the word I'm looking for, but I'm blanking on what I want to 
what I want yeah, to process, say. Yeah, process. Yes, thank you, process. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. the word. Thank you. I don't know how I got yeah. procedure there. But anyway, he said, you know, he said it was incredibly important for him to to stop focusing on results and start focusing on process. And lo and behold, once he did that, all of a sudden, I think three of his best seasons have come in the last four seasons at an, at an age where people, I think, would expect um, offensive output to to dip significantly. And so, like I said, I don't know if it's by luck or by design, but to have a player like that, a veteran player, former captain, two-time cup winner, Olympian, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, being, you know, being the the – the tone setter, you know, the, the longest tenured player in the franchise, I think it can only do great to have these young kids with those similar uh, mindsets, you know, in, in the same locker room as a guy like that. Sorry, there's no question there. I just, I'm really excited about the, about the prospects. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's good because I, I didn't, my, I lost a little part of that at the oh, end sorry. because my internet <laughs> cut out, but oh, no, no. But, I, but I, but, but I think in the, in the, just to just to follow up, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I think that when you have people and players, I mean, you know, when you are drafting somebody, or or you're or you're signing somebody, or you're bringing somebody else into the the fold, you are drafting the person and the player, you know, mm-hmm. and and you have to get the person right too, and I think that's why you know teams spend so much time interviewing these players, and, and you know. The other thing that I find fascinating, and I, I don't think scouts really realize this, is that they are as much reporter. They, they do a lot of reporting. Obviously, they write their scouting reports and everything else, but they're also making a lot of phone calls. And they're trying to find information, just like a journalist tries to do, where, mm-hmm. where we're trying. And, and it's, a, you know, you, you, you call the person's billet family. You call their head coach. You call their... Uh, you know, their their friend from childhood. I mean, it's amazing the lengths that some teams will go to to do a deep dive on a player just to find out what kind of person they are, what makes them tick, what are the things that that we need to know about, what are the red flags, um, you know. And, and so I think that that's the, the, the work of evaluating talent is only a small portion of the job. There's a lot more of evaluating the person. And, that, and at that point, that can always be the sometimes the toughest part of the job and the most time-consuming because – you know, it, the only way to do that is to, you know, try and make those phone calls. Well, listen, I'm glad I made this phone call, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your insight on these players. Hey, my pleasure, Jesse. Always, always great to be with you. And, and certainly uh, we've had a lot to talk about with the Kings over these last couple of years. Haven't we? <laughs> That's right. And uh, enjoy the rest of the uh, junior of the sorry, World Junior Summer Showcase. Thanks a lot. I will. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Chris.